0: Welcome to Hudson Valley Uncensored. My name is Brett Freeman. I am the publisher and owner of a media company in the Hudson Valley, New York. I launched this podcast to highlight and discuss topics without fear. My aim is to have a free exchange of ideas and an open and honest discussion on the issues of the day. Welcome to Hudson Valley Uncensored. Welcome to Hudson Valley Uncensored. My name is Brett Freeman, your host. Today, we have Brian Marshauser. He's the editor of Yorktown News and the Cotunolus Pro Times. And we have Tom Waligorski. He's the editor of The Somers Record and North Salem News. And we have Bob Dumas, editor of Mayapac News. And the big topic today, we're speaking on November 4th, two days after the election, is the local elections. I definitely feel like Tell me if I'm wrong, except for the town of Bedford, it seemed like there was a little bit of a trend with our other towns. Brian, I'm going to jump in with you um, because, you know, Bedford was a little bit of the anomaly, but, you know, it's also Bedford's, I think one of the towns that's probably, tell me if I'm wrong, you know, real heavily majority Democrat.
1: I've been doing a ton of research on this this morning, so I can tell you how Democratic it is. They have 5,300 Democrats to 3,000 Republicans and then another 3,000 non-affiliated voters. And as I'm diving in this morning, it's it's a trend I'm noticing. In some towns, there is a pretty big Democratic to Republican gap. In towns like Yorktown, Yorktown actually has a 2,000 voter gap, more Democrats than Republicans. Yeah, but you're starting to notice is a lot of these towns have just a ton of unaffiliated voters. And I think the Republicans in Yorktown and even in Lewisboro for a little bit seem to be better at winning over the non-affiliated voters. Lewisboro, I'll start there, is a very interesting. Town. It's a very small town, bigger than North Salem, of course. I know North Salem is quite small, but uh, Lewisboro has four thousand Democrats, twenty five hundred Republicans, and then another twenty seven hundred non affiliated voters. So Peter Parsons, the supervisor there, was retiring, kind of leaving the supervisor seat open. Uh, Councilman Tony Gonzalez, he's a Democrat. He ran to fill the seat from an expiring term. I guess you know his term was up, so he's running for supervisor instead of keeping his seat on the council. And he was faced by Bill Bongiorno. And the race was actually pretty close. I think uh, Tony Consalvis only won by about 300 votes or so, or 3,000 votes. Or so I don't want to misspeak. I think it was uh, 300. If it was 3,000, that'd be quite a win because, like I said, said there's only 10,000 people in town. Yeah. So he won by about 300 votes. The town council race was just incredibly close. The top three candidates were all within, you know, 100 votes of each other, basically. And the most interesting part of that is the incumbent, who is a polarizing figure in Jane Cribbins. She finished in last place. She was the only incumbent running.
0: And sorry, so t- and her party is a... She's a Democrat. Okay,
1: all right. But a Democratic political newcomer, Mary Shaw, she was the top vote getter. She was followed very closely behind by a Republican, Andrea Rendo, and then another Republican, Allison Biddle. Uh, so they finished 2-3. So Louisboro will get a Republican on the board. So you know, that's kind
0: it- of really interesting, too, Is that kind of, Tell me if I'm wrong, if I'm analyzing this correctly, but it definitely means that
1: Democrats split their vote. Like I said, I, it is an anomaly in the sense that in the other two towns, people voted down party lines. And it was, you know, Democratic sweep in Bedford, Republican sweep in Yorktown. And then Lewisboro kind of split the vote. Like I said, I think people voted kind of on personality in the sense. And I, I think it more had to do with the fact that Jane Crimmins was a polarizing figure. I think she's one of those people you either love. Intensely or dislike intensely. And I think uh, she turned off a lot of people in her own party, it seems like. That, that, you know, that's how I'm reading the votes. Those people either left their ballot blank or cast vote for Rendo or Biddle instead. And uh, so they reap the benefits and the Republicans got a person on the board.
0: Can we analyze the results of these elections at all based on what happened nationally? on Tuesday night or is, this, or is this all completely local and, and <laughs> you're asking looking... the wrong person
1: because I don't okay. all right. like I, said, I have no clue what happened nationally on, yeah, on yeah I, I was
2: busy enough following everything at the local <laughs> and, level <yeah. laughs>
3: I, I've had that thought Brett too I wondered but you know in Putnam County it's such a red county I mean I keep hearing about that it's shifting, but you know, Tuesday night did not reflect that, you know, because it was pretty much a, a slaughter. I thought the race for sheriff would be pretty tight. And I thought Langley being the incumbent and having run a pretty tight ship would win, but he got only got 43% of the vote. McConville got 57%. So it was a pretty decisive victory. Uh you saw similar things on county legislature. The race we covered, uh the Republican incumbent won 62% to 38%. So there was some other elections that we didn't cover. Democrat won, but she was the incumbent, but she still remains the sole Democrat in the entire county legislature. So nothing's changed there. And then on the town board, you know, it wasn't even close. There was four candidates running for two seats, two Republicans, two Democrats, and the Republicans won that going away.
0: And the reason I asked my question also is I feel like the national news media did a really good job of, in the end, it's ratings. They did a really good job of alerting everyone to the fact that it was election day. I mean, I think on a non-presidential, non-congressional year, people might not even be aware it's election day, but everyone was kind of hyped about Virginia for the past couple of weeks so that kind of thought kind of crossed my mind about whether there was any kind of coattails from, from their vision.
1: You're making me go back now. I want to look at, so Yorktown, we could do this comparison right now in 2021. We could see how many people voted. I mean, Yorktown's a kind of a tough example because they didn't have a competitive race for supervisor, but they did have a competitive council race. And the top vote getter this time around was Sergio Esposito at 5,500. And in 2017, it looks like the top vote getter had a, Fifty eight hundred. So it looks like even more people voted in Yorktown in twenty seventeen than in twenty twenty one. So my theory is completely debunked. At, at least in Yorktown, <laughs> at, at least in Yorktown, it looks like even more people voted. I, I even look kind of down the ballot. We had another five. Like so, it, who yeah, won I mean, in Yorktown? Yeah, I'll jump over to Yorktown. I'll go to Bedford quick, just because it's not as exciting as Yorktown. So yeah, Bedford was a clean Democratic sweep. It wasn't that close. Ellen Calvis is going to be the supervisor. She'll be joined on the town board. By uh, Stephanie McCain and Andres Castillo Quintana. It's going to be all Democrats.
0: So, I guess the Catonalist Pro Times debate did not sway anybody.
1: Well, I, it's really <laughs> hard to read because, like I said, there is a huge Democratic advantage there. And I do believe the uh, Bedford United team of Peter McCalus, Don Scott, and Ali Choi was successful in winning a lot of Democratic and non affiliated votes, but just not enough to widen the gap. Because, you know, he lost by 500 votes, Don Scott, to Ellen Calvis. But like I said, it just wasn't enough. I think, but I do think they did were successful in winning over a lot of those voters. How about Matt Damon's preferred candidate? Unfortunately, he took the biggest beating of them all. Jody Kimmel, the Bedford town justice candidate for the Democrats, she won 58% of the vote. Clark Petschek, Matt Damon's college roommate, only got 42%. I'm sure he loves the fact that we're just keep referring to him as Matt Damon's college roommate. Um, <laughs> very qualified candidate besides that, I'm sure.
2: Do <laughs> <laughs> you think Matt Damon would have put him over the top, though?
1: Yeah, no, (laughs) I don't know how much poll Matt Damon has with uh, Bedford voters. Apparently not very much.
3: Well, Tommy Lee Jones was Al Gore's roommate in college. It didn't help him.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, Yorktown is a lot more interesting in the sense that it is a town, like I said, that has more registered Democrats than Republicans. Yet Yorktown, starting on January 1st, will be governed by an all Republican town board, 5-0. And I do believe that on the local level, people vote less on party line and Yorktown especially. I just did this practice of going back through every town board iteration since 1990. And 1990 is the last time that Yorktown had a 5-0 Republican board. And it's just so interesting to watch in that, you know, right after that 92, 1992 became a blue board in 94, we became 4-1 Democrats and then it just kind of swings back throughout the years, you know, whichever party has the advantage or not. But now it's five zero Republicans just two years removed from being three, two Democratic. So, you know, I think everyone's kind of wondering, you know, what happened? How did they lose power so quickly? Not just power, but they're completely gone from town hall. Vishnu Patel, a three-time incumbent, was ousted. He lost to a political newcomer. So I think there's a few things you can say, I think is, like I said, the Republicans, for one reason or another, were better at winning over those non-affiliated voters. And their ticket was led by a powerhouse, Sergio Esposito, who was just an incredible PR campaign. You know, if you didn't know his name from his business and volunteer ventures, he made sure you knew his name through his billboard-sized signs, his many advertisements, his endless social media videos, his never-ending letters of support in our paper. I think he was excellent at getting his name out there. He's a very energetic candidate. People definitely vote personalities in local races. Because as much as I would love to believe people watch town board meetings and vote on issues, I'm sure most people vote on, hey, I like that guy.
0: What's um, the salary as a town board member? $20,000 in Yorktown. York County. And yeah. how much is a health insurance package worth?
1: I have no clue. <laughs> I could ask uh, my father-in-law.
0: I uh, mean, the health insurance for Halston Media is... Quite expensive. Anyone who's on it, we pay for half, and the employee pays for half. I think it's definitely pretty. I mean, for a family, it's yeah. very expensive. I just yeah. by look at the twenty thousand dollars salary and and then the health insurance package, I'm thinking, you no, know, probably was a pretty good investment that he made. Well, it
1: is, it is a part time job. You're expected to just show up at some ribbon cuttings and stuff like that, and do your research. But it's mostly, a, I know people who some people do the bare minimum. They show up for one night a week. They'll read the packet a few hours beforehand and get briefed on the issues, and they'll sit at the meeting and. Make their votes and cast their votes. Some people put in. You
3: can always tell which ones those <laughs> are, though. Yeah, yeah. Some if, people if you watch every meeting, you know who those people are. Yeah,
1: yeah. Some people put in 40 hours a week for this part time job, and some people put in five hours a week and worked out one night, like Bob said. So, Yorktown's just super interesting. And I guess, what does this mean going forward? A 5.0 board. I want to read you this quote because Matt Slater, uh, we've talked about before, is a very reserved person. After Republicans won, he didn't hold back. He uh, hearkened back to Supervisor Grace's time running town hall when, for the most part, he did have a Republican majority town board. For a few years, he lost it. So you know he, he said, do you remember when we had a Republican majority for six years in this town? We were cranking. Then we had two years of nothing, absolutely nothing in this town. We didn't just go backwards. We flew backwards. It was embarrassing. So he really took a shot at Alon Gilbert's administration and the Democrats for the, for the two years. They had a three-to-majority. Uh, I've never really heard Slater take swipes like that before. And I guess he was really pumped up over the Democrats being 5-0. So it's kind of interesting to see what they'll do now. And it's interesting to note that just because you're a Republican, you don't necessarily vote in lockstep all the time. I think that's obviously, like I said, locally, I think people belong to the same party, but you know, it, it, these are local issues. They're not voting on big national issues. It's interesting when you read that quote, if you don't mind reading it again. He said, do you remember when we had a Republican majority for six years in this town? We were cranking Then we had two years of nothing, absolutely nothing happening in this town. We didn't just go backwards. We flew backwards. It was embarrassing. So he's he's speaking about uh, Alon Gilbert, who defeated Michael Grace in 2017 and and was a supervisor. And then Slater beat him. And then Lonnie, of course, ran again this year and was defeated. He actually came in fourth place.
0: Because for a second, I almost interpreted that as, was that a swipe at Michael Grace? No. Saying saying almost like he lost the majority and maybe Matt Slater's determined to keep the majority. Well,
1: it is kind of interesting, like what I was saying, in the sense that you have Republicans on this board who... They have different ideologies, even though they're all Republicans. I think you have Slater and Esposito are clearly more center leaning. And then I think you have people like Tom Diana and Luciana Howitt, who just won along with Sergio, and then Ed Lockerman, who are more far right. And they are more kind of in line in thinking with Michael Grace. Well, like I said, I think Slater and Esposito are more populist message, more center candidates. So... I'm sure those three candidates who might be more far-right can probably push some things along and maybe pick up some things from Michael Grace's old know, When
0: you're saying far-right, are you talking about style or issues?
1: I would say issues. I think they're more conservative-leaning. But either way, it's irrelevant. Maybe I used the wrong word. I think you're picking up on the wrong things. My point being that they're more in line thinking with someone like Michael Grace yeah. than Matt Slater. So yeah. I think those candidates are certainly I think no pretty close to him.
0: And the, real, well, the reason I actually brought that up, yeah. you know, look, you know, I'm friends with Sergio Esposito and you know it's November fourth, you know, so I will say this now. I'm you know, he has four years to get re-elected. So I, I will say this during this podcast here. But you know, during my private conversations with him, you know, I think he's pretty damn conservative.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I didn't I didn't mean yeah. it like that. I meant um you like yeah. I won't go into much. His style. He's I, more I, populist. I, I, he does not play up the he does not beat the drum on the Republican party. He does
0: not he does yeah. not. He he's his style of campaigning, he was very, very careful to yeah. try to appeal to everybody. And I know from private conversations, you know, I know how he feels about the Second Amendment and guns, for instance. Well, of course.
1: Oh, he owns a gun business. So I think we all know how it feels about yeah. the Second Amendment. Yeah. Uh,
3: yeah. But, well, yeah. but I agree. When I would see his videos on Facebook, I didn't know already. I wouldn't even know what party he belonged to on yeah, some of those yeah. videos he did. You know.
1: But my final point being that I think these candidates definitely share a lot of similarities with Mike Grace. I know they still are very close with him. And we'll see if they kind of pick up where his agenda left off. And one of those things being with the highway garage. I know Grace wanted to demolish the highway garage and build a mixed use thing there. And now he could kind of run this thing by proxy with that project if he has the votes on the board. You know, it's not going to be boring just because it's five a Republican. That's my point.
0: Will you or you know, Nick covering this? Will we be aware of less things because more uh, conversations will be take place among the caucus behind I don't, closed doors? I, I,
1: I really need to brush up on the caucus law. I don't think they can caucus if they're a five zero majority like that. I don't know. I, I think you might be able to if there is a mixed board, but I think if you're five a zero majority, I don't think you can caucus. But I really have to look into that. We're also not stupid. We know they just talk to each other all the time. They probably have group chats and going. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't like. Is that a violation of law? if You have a group chat with five people on it. I don't know, but I'm sure they do that. And I'm sure they meet outside. I mean, I'm not accusing them of legal behavior, but we're also not naive here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Tom, you want to jump in?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, mine was, uh, as I kind of referenced before, my my election season was a tale of two towns. On the, the one hand, we had North Salem, which Brian pointed out is very small. Everybody there on the ticket was running unopposed. Um, we had uh, Warren Lucas, Brian, another bit as supervisor. Um, he's been in place since 2009, uh, ran unopposed, um, seems to you know have very good support in the community, very personable guy. Everybody likes him. Seems like he's doing a good job. Peter Kamenstein, Republican, reelected to the town board, Martin Aronchek, Democrat, reelected to the town board, and then uh, had our tax collector and highway superintendent both get reelected. So, yeah, not all that much to really talk about in North Salem. And then uh, on the other side of my election season, I had uh, Somers, which was actually a very, uh, you know, very interesting uh, competitive election. In the end, it was uh, Rob Scarano was the big one taking he got elected town supervisor. So um, he actually wound up getting 60 uh, percent of the votes over uh, Stephanie Keegan, uh, the Democrat who got 40 percent. So, yeah, a little a uh, little surprising there. I uh, just kind of the feeling that I got from, you know, speaking to people around town and everything. I thought that that was going to be a little closer, but uh, not Mr. Scarano pulled up uh, pulled the with it. So congratulations to him. And then uh, we had two seats available on the uh, town board, and those actually wound up going to both Republican incumbents in uh, Anthony Sirico and William Faulkner. Sirico got 30% of the vote. Faulkner got 28%, and that was over the uh, two Democrats, which were uh, Tom Newman at 22% and Margaret DiLorenzo at 21%.
0: Interesting. And I know Somers is the, I think, only town in Westchester County that is majority Republican, I believe. So I guess that, that isn't necessarily a surprise.
2: Yeah, and um, something that was kind of interesting though um, that uh, we were you know we were all keeping an eye on the early voting results. And if you look at the early voting numbers for Somers, all three Democratic candidates had very big turnouts for the early voting, like overwhelmingly over the Republicans. And um, yeah, I just thought that was kind of an interesting thing yeah. to know how, how things started off versus how they ended there.
1: That seems to be a trend. Democrats seem to do more uh, mail in and early voting. Oh, uh,
2: did you notice know. that in your uh, in your town? Yeah, team? I think
1: that that's just consistent. That's a national trend. Yeah, that's that's, yeah. Na- that's nationally, without a doubt. Yeah. Not sure um, why. I guess maybe they're more fearful of COVID. I don't know.
0: I think if I had a guess, I think that might be part of it.
2: Well, did any of you actually do early voting? I thought, uh, Brian, I thought you said you were going to. <laughs> no, I
1: actually ended up doing uh, election day. And that's admittedly, it's just because I kind of forgot about early voting. And then I just... Um, I was just like, election day is November 2nd. Then I just kept forgetting I had the opportunity to vote whenever I wanted to. I just... I did it on election day.
2: Yeah, I'm kind of curious because, yeah, I think you might be right that COVID might have something to do with it just in general. But I'd be kind of curious to see how that goes in like a non-COVID year with the early voting, you know, along party lines and everything. It also could just be, you know, an anomaly that I just happened Mm -hmm. to notice just for, you know, for this year.
3: I had to do mail-in, but it had nothing to do with COVID, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) My parents have a theory. They live in Heritage
0: Hills. My parents are, you know, senior citizens and Jewish. And their theory is that the elderly Jews vote Democrat and the elderly Italians vote Republican. (laughs) So, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I
3: don't think they're too far wrong. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) Well, we were, uh, it's funny, while, while Carol Reif, uh, our staff writer and I were following the results, sitting you know, talking to each other to keep awake at one o'clock in the morning, she was saying that, uh, you know, we have to be mindful, you know, in any election that you have the absentee ballots and other things that aren't coming in yet. I mean, for Somers, it's not going to matter. But she actually brought up Heritage Hills. She's like, oh, what if there are all the absentee ballots from Heritage Hills? Like it was going to be this giant sack of mail that was going to show up and swing the election from some of the older folks. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's, it's probably not too far off, you know, in terms of where a lot of the absentee ballots came from, for sure. Yeah. In fact, so, my, you know, saying my with my parents living in Heritage Hills, they actually just moved there, I think it was like a year and a half, two years ago. They moved there in the middle of the pandemic. One of the reasons they moved there is they wanted to move into a community of kind of contemporaries. And the Heritage Hills is, you know, does have a lot of retirees. And they couldn't meet a single soul for the first year because everyone was terrified to meet and the people who did get together they felt comfortable getting together with, with their friends that they knew they were terrified to meet anybody brand new because of covid so uh, you know that was very interesting
2: But, um, no, I think as far as I can tell, you know, this is, this is also my first go around with the Somers election and everything, but no, I think Heritage Hills, it's a, you know, it's a little community in and of itself there. I think that kind of holds a little bit of sway. And I actually noticed that one of the, um, William Faulkner, one of the things that he mentioned in, uh, you know, any of his, his interviews that we did with him was that, you know, a big project was that he wanted to do uh, an emergency generator for Heritage Hills you know, in the event of like inclement weather, just to kind of keep the power on and, you know, they can use the rec center as like an emergency thing. And I thought it was interesting that he made a point of saying like that specific project was going to be something that he wanted to work on.
0: I'd love to see the numbers, but I'm sure Heritage Hills does have a big turnout in terms of elections, just because, you know, again, retirees, I think pay yeah. probably pay closer attention to municipal issues than, than perhaps... Uh,
1: uh, I would say efforts. so. I do have some interesting stats to share for just in general, that includes Somers, is that I was doing this this morning. I'm writing a column about Yorktown's election. And so I was doing a lot of research. So like you said, Brett, Somers is the only municipality in Westchester that has more registered Republicans than registered Democrats, but only by 111. Not a lot. It's very narrow. But like I said, a lot of non-affiliated voters, actually 4,300 non-affiliated voters. And believe it or not, They do not have a uh, five vote board, right? Uh, You know, they have a Democrat, Clinchy on
2: the board. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Which was also something that I thought was interesting just from looking back through, you know, previous elections and everything Mm -hmm. um, that, yeah, there was a, it was a Clinchy, the Democrat and um, Tom Garrity, Republican, but uh, for in previous elections, they were actually cross endorsed by both. Yeah. Yeah. A
1: lot of that is, you know, it's kind of horse trading type stuff. You know, you won't put up a candidate against our supervisor. So if you don't challenge more supervisor, we'll let you have the Democrat candidate.
2: You oh, know, absolutely. Kind of, it's all part hey. of the chess match. But <laughs> I just thought that, that was, you know, it kind of seems like it benefits everybody. But uh, yeah, I, yeah, I don't
1: know yeah. That Yorktown, by the way, is uh, one of just now three municipalities in all of Westchester that has a five-zero Republican board. The others being Mount Pleasant and Eastchester. So I thought that was interesting. And there's only three other boards that have Republican majority. Harrison, North Salem with three Republicans and then uh, Somers with four. So that's it, you know. We have three of the towns: <laughs> Yorktown, North Salem, and Somers.
3: Very, very, very interesting. I was thinking, and I only know this through anecdotal evidence. I have to double check, but I don't think there's been a Democrat on the Carmel Town Board since the the '90s. And I'll, I'll you know, I'll have to that was told to me, I can double check. So, yeah, I, you know, I wasn't the results in, in in Carmel and Putnam County. I wasn't surprised, but yet part of me was because there's just so much uh, people, so many complaints about people wanting change. They want things like term limits. And uh, we saw that with Ken Schmidt when he lost in the primary. And, you know, that was a lot of things that people were campaigning on is we don't want people running, holding office for 16 years. And we want change for this and that and uh, all these different programs and, and so forth. And yet, the results are the same. So, you know, in Putton County, people tend to vote for party, not for person. You know, we're seeing the results of that because it was a slant landslide and just about there were, you know, talk about absentee ballots, they're not going to have an impact. The regular vote was so crushing that you're not going to have any effect from these outside votes. So it remains a mystery to me, but I wasn't surprised.
0: I actually had no idea for the sheriff who was going to win. I am surprised that it was as much of a landslide for the sheriff. <laughs>
3: (laughs) I am too. So apparently, the tactics that Republicans used in that uh, a lot of mudslinging, the whole business about the infamous phone call now between Langley and Supervisor Schmidt you know, apparently, it got the results they were looking for. If all that hadn't happened, and there were several other things too, but if all that stuff hadn't happened, maybe it would have been closer. I'm not sure, you know. I mean, I was surprised because Langley. Had a fairly successful four years. Crime was down. But it was very clear that the county legislature, which holds a lot of sway, did not like dealing with him. And so I think people just went along with that.
0: Am I incorrect in saying I saw something that Langley had been a Republican previously and McConville, had been a Democrat, or am I...
3: They both have run for... Well, Langley, well, this, he was the first-time runner. He hadn't run for anything. But yeah, he had he been a long-time Republican. And then the Democrats, when Donald Smith was in the middle of all his controversies as sheriff, the Democrats saw a vulnerability, and they convinced Langley to switch parties and run, and it worked. He beat him, you know? mcconville has run as a democrat as well which just adds more credence to what we all say all the time local elections it doesn't really matter what your party is it could be party a and party b you know mcconnell has run for sheriff before he's run for a couple of things he's this is the first time he's ever won something so interesting
0: very very interesting mm-hmm. well uh, gentlemen anything else i know uh, tom you wanted to talk about veterans day
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Just one little thing, just to plug in for our listeners here. That's going to be a good kind of community event. Um, there's going to be, a, the Somers Lions Club is going to be holding a uh, uh, Veterans Day parade in Somers on, um, it's going to be the morning of Veterans Day, Thursday, November 11th. It starts at Somers Middle School and it goes to Ivandale, ceremony, Ivandale Cemetery where there'll be a flag ceremony. It'll actually be led in a Model T by former police chief Mike Driscoll as kind of like the guest of honor. And just a nice way for the community to come out and uh, just honor everybody who's, uh, you know, who served for our country and everything. So I just wanted to make a mention of that.
0: It's very weird to say this. But I find cemeteries, find both cemeteries and golf courses to be very pretty places. I don't know why. Just personally, I find them very pretty. I find Ivandell Cemetery to be among the prettiest cemeteries. It's so pretty, you know, you know, even though it's a main road, it's just a very rural town. And just, uh, I don't know. I just, I find that there's something very Americana about seeing some of those ceremonies at Ivendale, you know, gives me goosebumps.
2: I think it's important. I was actually glad that, you know, they kind of came together a little late and everything. That's why we got the late notice on it. But, uh, you know, I'm just I'm glad that they're doing it. I think that that's important for, you know, for the community too. Absolutely.
3: By the time this podcast hits, this history will be fresh. So here in Maya pack some of you may know a young lady named Amanda Ayala. She, uh, five years ago, was on The Voice, the TV show. She is a singer and songwriter. And though she didn't win that, it gained her a lot of attention. Her career has taken off since then. She's She performed on stage with Leslie West of Mountain because she had done their iconic song mississippi queen so she got to meet him and perform with him she's performed with a couple other famous classic rock musicians and right now she has a new song out called 17 and it's hit number one on the independent music charts and it's selling like hotcakes on places like itunes and We did a big interview with her today. That'll be in next week's paper. And one of the other things she wanted to talk about was she lost 50 pounds during the pandemic. (laughs) So she's hardly recognizable anymore. But um, she's putting together a tour to support her new music. And the details of that aren't ready yet. But um, we'll have all this latest stuff on, on Amanda and her new rock star life.
0: She started off in Dead End, right?
3: Exactly! Wow, you can't believe you remember because she, she, I went over all that with her. She was laughing because, like, a lot of her early band in high school and stuff were named after streets. She started out in middle school in a band called Dead End, and then in high school she was in a band called One Way. What happened was, is Illusion, which is Manpack High School's big rock show that they put on three or four nights at the end of the uh, in the spring which is always an amazing show she performed in that and then she posted a video of one of her performances from the illusion online on social media and it was the producers of the voice who saw her performance from the illusion show and that's how they reached out to her she talked in the interview about that's amazing yeah getting the email while she was in an economics class and she had all she could do just in the middle of class prevent herself from standing up and jumping up and down and squealing. When she, got the, when she got the email that they wanted her to come out to LA and audition. And, you know, obviously she passed the audition and she made it through a couple of rounds, but she obviously didn't win. But, uh, she performed "Mississippi Queen," which is a real famous classic rock song, and got to meet Leslie West, who's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and play with him at the BB King Club down in New York City. Which Rest is,
1: in peace, Leslie West. you just died. Yes, December, the
3: late great right? Leslie West. Yeah, mm-hmm. who also lost a leg to diabetes. Oh well. um, Yeah, but continued to play and um, passed away God, about a year ago, I guess. But she got to play with him and Taylor Dane. She opened up with and Taylor. There's another Taylor from American Idol. Uh, I can't remember his name now, but she's done sang duets with him. So we've had a couple, you know, with her and Jessica Lynn from Yorktown, we've had a couple of really successful musicians, you know.
0: I think it's very cool, the Amanda, because We can say that we did cover her while she was in middle school, which is really quite incredible. And to know she's gotten this far, you know, we definitely, all of us certainly wish her uh, the best of luck for sure.
3: Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny because I wanted photos to illustrate the story and i went through our archives and i found we had a bunch of great photos there and i was talking she said oh don't use those that's when i was fat you know <laughs> so she you know those photos are five six seven years old so she's very proud of the weight she lost and because she showed me her album cover for the new single and i was like who's that on there did you get so much she says that's me you know because barely recognizable so um she uh, is going to send me a bunch of new photos of the new Amanda. Yeah, so. That
0: being said, you know something really neat about having you know our archives and being able to you know show the world you know someone who's getting you know well known, show the world you know you know uh, back when she was younger. That's kind of cool. But. Yeah. But if she doesn't want it in there, we'll abide by her wishes.
3: Well, yeah. And plus, she was like 16 and 17 in these pictures. You know, let's show her, you know, she's 24 now, which I couldn't believe, you know. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny, her new song, 17, she says, it's about nostalgic of your younger life when you're more carefree. And I was like, Amanda, you're 24, know? <laughs> 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 you know. When you're 40, you can write songs about what it was like being 24. You know. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's all relative. It's all relative. Yeah. yeah.
2: By, the the new sports reporter for Somers is 22, and he started like, oh, in my day, I'm like, you're not old enough to talk like that, man. Like, <laughs> yeah,
1: to have a day. All <laughs>
2: yeah, right. Your your day in high school was four years ago. Like, shut up.
1: Sure. Oh, yeah, exactly. you trust me. I, I my, our new reporter Nick. Um, I was talking about what happened when I first started at Yorktown News, and then I realized he was in middle school. I think when I started working here, and uh, yeah, that, uh, <laughs>
0: that made me world. feel a little. Old. <laughs> <laughs> it's wonderful.
1: So,
3: well, I was going to say oh, when I yeah. started my journalism career, most of your parents weren't even born. So, <laughs> oh, that's Bob not that's not true, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> not you, Brad. <Brett. laughs> all right, all right, guys. Take care. All right,
2: gentlemen. Always a pleasure. Thanks.
3: Have a good all one, right. guys. Bye. Have a great rest of your week. Bye.